How many are excited about Christmas? How many are like, yeah, I could do without it? <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, I've really, this last couple of years, I've really tried to suck it up. Because I've been more, there are two kinds of people. They're the Grinch kind of people, and they're the Cindy Lou Who kind of people. And I'm trying to be more like the Cindy Lou Who kind of people. And I've even been, uh, in the evenings when we're sitting there watching TV, I've even been turning on Christmas movies, which my wife loves. And, and I'm getting some enjoyment out of it. You know, it's, it's helping me to ease into this season, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Today's title, which is not anything really unusual, but uh, I have titled it this, Be Like Little Children, and, and I got stuck on the other one, or Let's Have Fun Again. Be Like Little Children, or Let's Have Fun Again. How many have forgotten what it's like to be a child? Some of you are still children. I heard that. Some of us, we get too serious about ourselves, about life, about everything we're facing. And we forget that life isn't supposed to be like that. And that's what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to start out talking about the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And there... Mark describes a typical day in Jesus' ministry. He's out there. He's healing the sick. I mean, people are just getting on fire for what this Messiah is doing, what the rabbi is teaching. And when they see people get healed, of course, they get pretty excited about it. Well, all of a sudden, these parents decide, hey, I want my child to go up there and get a blessing. And by the way, it was a common custom for kids to get blessed by their rabbi. So this wasn't anything unusual. So they come running toward the master. And Jesus, I mean, I can just about see this. Jesus has this big smile on his face. Ah, kids, finally. Because kids came with a faith that adults don't have. Adults have too many doubts. We've learned too much. We know too much. And it, it can ruin your faith. But here come these kids, and what happens? Jesus' secret service team steps in. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you think you're doing? And he, they yell at the parents, get your kids out of here. Don't you see... The master is working. <laughs> Wrong thing to do. No, -uh. no, Jesus was not happy, was he? In fact, Mark describes Jesus' response using the Greek word agonakteo. Agonakteo. Everybody say agonakteo. Which implies a deep strong sense of anger. He was not happy with those men. And he was letting them know it. What in the world? Guys, not only was he upset that 
They rebuked the parents. Here they are excited. I want my kid to go get blessed by Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 no. And Jesus is like, yes, 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 yes. But then when he sees the faces of those little kids when they were turned away, oh, I think that's what really brought the anger out, that agonacteo. I think he was just like, dude, really? I love these kids. What are you doing? Let them come to me. I want to read this, by the way. In the New Living Testament, it says this. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. We know what's coming. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. That's that angry, is that agonacteo. How come you know it and I don't? He was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Notice the exclamation point. For the kingdom of God belongs to those, say it, who are like these children. That's my highlight there in red and underlined and bolded. Like these children. Don't hinder them from coming to me, Jesus said. Can you remember what it was like to be a child? What about when you give them a gift? What are they like then? Excited? Well, I've got... I've, oh, I missed one. I've got to read this one. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child... What? How many read that? Let's read it one more time. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. That's pretty strong language. We're going to talk about that today. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. This is where I wanted to show you what it looks like to be a child, what it looks like to anticipate, what it looks like to be thankful. If you guys would go ahead and show that short video clip. You know what I didn't notice? I watched this last night, and I didn't realize that uh, my oldest son, Cameron, he ran up to me and hugged me at the end. And I thought, you know, that's perfect for today. Because that's what we're supposed to be like when we come to God, our Father. Excited? Yes. Anticipating? Yes. Thankful? Yes. All those things. And that's what God wants from his kids. Children receive gifts with excited anticipation. Amen? Amen. 
They also received them with joy and most of the time thankfulness. They received them without thinking, hey, I deserve this, right? Your children don't think they deserve it, but man, they're so excited when you give them something like this. And that's that picture that Jesus was painting for us, for his disciples, that those who come to their heavenly Father, they need to be like this. We need to be excited about it. We don't deserve anything from him, right? But equally, God wants to bless us with everything we need. And brother, your, your offering message was perfect. The needs and the wants. God knows what you need, and he will make sure that you have it. If you're one of his kids, if you're a kingdom kid, your needs are going to be met. That's the truth. That's what Scripture tells us. And God wants to bless us with good gifts. But we must receive them like a little child with joyful anticipation. I love what C.S. Lewis said about this, and I had never read this before, so this is fairly new to me. A group of theologians and scholars once cornered C.S. Lewis, and they asked him this. They said, what is the most important... Let me, let me word this different. What is the most important theological discovery that you have ever made? <laughs> Remember Richard Nixon? coming straight from the land of the mucky mucks and this this group of theologians really wanted to know what c.s lewis thought and he smiled and he responded with this and i love this oops sorry (laughs) i exist to enjoy god's enjoyment of me i exist to enjoy God's enjoyment of me. Have you ever thought of that before? We're here for His enjoyment. We are. Charlie Reeb said this. He said, God enjoys you. God wants you to enjoy Him. To enjoy life. To enjoy the world that God has created. And to enjoy the people that the Lord has put in your life. Everything around you was prepared from the foundations of the earth. Every person in this room is here today because God planned it way back in the beginning. And every person that's around you They're here intentionally to be a blessing in your life. So just to capitalize on this, God enjoys you. Look at your neighbor and say, God enjoys you. Come on. And God wants you to enjoy your relationship with him. It's all, you know the real estate term, location, location, well it's, it's, Relationship, relationship, relationship. That's what it is with God. He wants a relationship with you. Have you given it to him? God wants you to enjoy 
your life. God wants you to enjoy the world that's around you. And God wants you to enjoy the people that he's put in your life. Here's the thing. Many well-meaning Christians have a bad theology when it comes to this. I've heard brothers and sisters say, well, you know, if you get too much, then really that turns into sin. And I'm like, how? Because you enjoy life, it becomes a sin? Now, I admit that if you ignore God on behalf of the things you enjoy, yes, that's a sin. That's an idol. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about common sense Christians who love the Lord, who have a balanced life, and God blesses them with things, with, with stuff, with a spouse that you love, with children that you love most of the time. Right? All of this because God loves us. God created everything around us for our enjoyment. He did it for us. If you don't believe me, just go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and read all that again. You know, he, he, he formed the earth and the, the universe. And then he had the water the, and everything was void. And he starts putting land on it. And then the trees and the plants and the, the fish and the birds and the dinosaurs and all other stuff that came. All the animals. And then finally. And I believe that people were God's handiwork. They were his best. Finally, he created man in his image. But man came last. All the other stuff was first. He did it for us. So what does that mean for us? What did God say right after he finished making everything? Is that what he said? He said he's very good, right? It is very good. Hallelujah. That's what he thought of his people. It is very good. Now, you already saw a little glimpse of this, but I know, I'm known as Papa O in my family. Papa O for Oberlin. And whenever my son and his wife come over, Sarah and Troy, and they bring their adorable little grandchild whose name is Corbin. I mean, come on. I, and I'm sorry if, if, you know what, if I can, I'm gonna, all right? <laughs> and I love the little guy. But when they come over, and, and it doesn't happen every time, but Corbin will come up to me and, and we'll fool around a little bit. And then I start doing this thing to the horror of his mother. I, I pick him up and I, I throw him up in the air and I catch him. And then I dip down toward the floor, and I miss it by about a two inches, maybe. And then I scoot him back up, and what do you think happens? 
Corbin has this big old laugh on his face, big old smile, and, and he signals me, more, Papa, do it again. And I do it again, and we go through this for about five minutes till my arms give out. And, and I'm afraid if I do the dip thing, I might let go of him. And that's probably where his mother is freaking out. But anyway, she's kind enough. She hasn't said anything yet not to do it. But I know, I can tell by the look on her face, stop that. She's very protective. When Corbin looks at me and he wants that relationship like that with me, what does that do? Oh, man. I, I just can't get enough. I mean, if I was strong enough, I'd do that all day long if that's what he wanted. Dave, you could probably do that all day long. <laughs> Think about this. This is that excitement and joy God gets from us when we live our life to its fullest, when we give Him the glory, when we come to Him morning and afternoon and evening and we say, God, thank you. You are an amazing God. And it's not only people, everything around us is so amazing. Now, I watch... A lot of the nature shows. I despise what they say. Billions of years ago, when the Big Bang happened, and I'm like, you guys have lost your marbles to think that anything like this came about by chance. I am sorry, but it takes so much more faith to believe in the Big Bang than it does in our God who is the creator. So just a couple examples. I don't want to bore you, but the snowflake. Come on. Why would God have done that? Why would he have made the snowflake as intricate in design as he has? To show us that God exists. There's no other reason. Otherwise, it'd just be, it'd look like my fingers, every snowflake, <laughs> right? But it's not, it's designed. And no two are alike. People have taken the time. I, I, one guy, I think he filmed two million snowflakes, <laughs> took pictures, and then compared them, trying to prove, see? Man, if you can find two million snowflakes and no two are alike, I think God succeeded. Come on. And what should that cause us to do? Give God the glory. And is it just snowflakes? You think of, my house is filled with woodpeckers. Not my house. Around my house. Sometimes they peck on the house and I have to run them off. There are no bugs under there. Stop it. But woodpeckers are just an amazing bird and God put a shock absorber in their heads so they wouldn't get a concussion when they're out there slamming on my trees. Did that happen by chance? No. And then they've got these really long tongues that come out so they can get the bugs that they're going after behind the bark and the tree. Did that just grow naturally? Oh, no. 
They were created to be like that. And this one, ah. When I heard the story about this bug, this insect, as beautiful as they are, they start out down in South America. And they go, I think it's like 1,500 miles. They go to the desert or Texas, somewhere in there. And they land, they eat, uh, what is it, milkweed. And then they lay their eggs, and then they die. Maybe I've got that reversed. They come, they lay their eggs, then the eggs hatch, the caterpillar comes, then it eats the milkweed. I think that's the way it goes. Anyway, but this is the first generation. There are actually three generations before they get to the, the mid-state plains up around like Idaho and places like that. And that's the final generation, but it takes three generations for these butterflies to do this. And that last generation, it knows enough to go all the way back to the beginning. 3,000 miles. Who taught it that? Come on. And have you seen what the caterpillars look like? I couldn't get a good picture without paying for it, so I didn't do it. But anyhow. <laughs> then they, they turn into the pupa and then the, the moth or the butterfly, finally. And it's just an amazing process when I see it from, from this little eggs to a caterpillar forming that shell around it that you can see through at one point. It's just amazing. And then finally the butterfly. None of that happened by chance. Come on. You cannot really ever, ever, ever believe that. Can you? I hope not. Give God the glory. When we look at things like this, and I if we started with a human anatomy, oh my gosh, I mean, it's just unreal what God did with people. Just being able to do this. Serious. We should get excited. We should be in awe of what's around us. The psalmist put it this way, Psalm 104, Oh Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along in the Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. <laughs> I could go on, I'm just going to stop there, but just to say... Everything God made is just absolutely amazing. God wants us to enjoy his creation. And he gets joy when we give him the glory. I wanted to share the Apostle Paul had a little different view of getting enjoyment. And I wanted to share this. He's actually teaching Pastor Timothy about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us 
All we need. Thank you, brother. Did you read this? Who richly gives us all we need for our, say it with me, for our enjoyment. Huh. Really? Again, those are my highlights. If you were to read this in your Bible, it's probably dark print. God gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Did you know that? Did you know that? Say it with me one more time. God gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Somebody here needs to hear this. You're struggling with this. Because you have been taught that life is hard. And it may be. But God wants to meet your needs. And he wants you to enjoy it regardless of where you might find yourself. These can be big things, they can be little things, right? Moving on. Tell them to use their money, Paul said. To do what? Oh, what? To do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need. Oh, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. We need to combine these things and recognize that when we're rich in good works, when we're generous, when we share with others, by doing these things, we are quite literally, storing up treasures in heaven for our future. And God gets enjoyment from it when we do. This also leads to one experiencing what life is really meant to be like. When we help others, when we experience the act of giving, it is similar to the joy that God feels when he gives to us. And I believe that's why he wants us to do this. He wants us to experience what it's like. He is a giver. For God gave. Come on. How many of you have given your kid? How many could? Very few. Some of you are like, I'd give him an RB. <laughs> Take him. Even for a week. I don't care. But you don't mean it. Just a season. But God gave His Son, His perfect Son, His mighty Son, that we might have life and life abundantly. God wants us to enjoy the act of giving. He wants us to enjoy a relationship with Him and He with us. But something tragic has happened to our world and Again, borrowing from Charlie Reeb, who I believe is a pastor, uh, he said this, he said, people have lost their joy. They've lost their sense of fun and laughter. Sin and cynicism has crept in and caused people to lose their ability to play. But God wanted those 
he created in his image to get their joy back. So he sent his son Jesus to reestablish that joy. Hmm. You know, Luke 10 tells the story of when the angel came and he found all these shepherds out in the field tending their flock, probably half asleep, standing. I can just imagine, you know, they got their staff. And all of a sudden, that bright light comes down. What is it? And then he realizes, after he hears, Hark! (laughs) I don't know if he said hark. That's the King James, probably. Fear not. Fear not. (laughs) Do you think that helped? (laughs) Joe! Aliens! Where's your camera? What did he say? What did he tell them? He said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That will will bring great joy all think about that for a moment without Jesus we wouldn't be able to come to God but because Jesus did what he did on the cross lived his sinless life paid the price the ultimate price for our sins we are free Jesus brought us great joy by making a way where there was no other way. And because Jesus not only forgives us our sins, but, and I love this part, we can come freely to God without inhibitions, without fearing Him, expecting that He will bless us. Is that you? Is that you? I believe there are people in this room today that have not figured this out yet. And God's saying, hey, look, we're coming into this beautiful season where you guys celebrate the birth of Jesus. I want you to be joyful. Anticipate what God's going to... How many know it's not about the gifts? Right? It's not. But God can do miracles in your life if you'll let them. If you get up anticipating, what are you going to do today, Lord? What are you going to do in my life today? I know you want to do something, and I'm looking forward to it. Amen. Remember that video I showed you of my kids? Ah! Anticipation. Yes. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to get this. Remember the kids in Mark 10? That's who we need to be. I mentioned this 
last week that John 10, 10 is, seems to be a, a passage, a verse that I've been wearing out, right? Anyway, it keeps popping up in my messages. This week is no different. I wanted you to remember the last part of that verse. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to go back one verse and read it from the Passion Translation. It says this, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. That's the kind of God that we serve. God wants to give you a full, joyous, anticipatory, I think that's a word, life. But too many of us, we're on the other side. We don't think we deserve it. You don't. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get that out in front. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's not a person in this room or online watching today that deserves anything from God. In fact, just to the opposite. We probably deserve death. But God in his mercy, through his grace, chose to bless us. First with salvation, redeeming us from the curse of the law. Second, treating us as his own kids. And then blessing us as his own kids. Before I close... How many of you are tired of not enjoying life? Lift your hand up. All right. Thank you. Whoa. More, more hands than I thought, maybe. I'd probably throw mine in there. I'm a part-time person raising my hand. You know what I mean? Maybe you're part-time. All right. All right. Some of you might even say, Pastor, I feel like my joy has been sapped from me. And if that's you, my best advice is to do what Jesus told us to do. <laughs> it's so easy. Come to me as little children. And by the way, this has nothing to do with your age. Matthew 18, verses 2 to 5 in the Living Bible says this. Jesus called a small child over to him and he set the little fellow down among them. <laughs> How many know Jesus loved kids? And he said, unless you turn to God from your sins and become his little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, anyone who humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How difficult is it? You want joy in your life? What do you do? You do what Jesus said. 
come to him as a child. God wants all of us to enjoy life. In fact, he wants us to enjoy it to the fullest. But to do that, we must first come to him. And if we have sin in our life, we need to repent of it. This requires that we set aside our pride and we say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace, your mercy. I need your strength. I need the Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. I need to hear your voice. And the Bible says that the sheep know the master's voice. If you're a child of God, you should know his voice when he speaks. Second, we must recognize that we deserve nothing. I've already covered this. Yet God chooses to give us everything that we need. And we accept his gifts with anticipation and with thankfulness. When's the last time you went out and you just looked around you at the beauty, you know, when the, the fall colors were all around us and I looked out to the east and I saw the tapestry of colors and I just went, wow. And then the sun came up and hit it. And do you, you realize no two days are alike? Every day it changed. Better and now a little worse because all the leaves are gone. I'd rather have the leaves because that'd mean probably there wasn't white stuff on the ground. But, but thank you, Lord. We need the precipitation, I'm sure. Something does. Thank you. All right, sometimes to be thankful, you got to kind of work it up. But that's okay. God knows your heart. You're trying. Yeah, snowplow guy's got to eat. Thanks, Pastor Roger. Third, God wants us to experience what he already knows. It's a blessing to be generous and to share with others. And you might think, well, you know, I'm not that rich. You don't have to be. You give from what you have. When the, the lady who Jesus identified in the temple as being the one who gave the most, she gave out of her pennies, to put it in a mod modern vernacular. She didn't have much, but she gave pennies from what she had, and that's who Jesus noticed. It doesn't matter what you have. The idea is that you give from what you have. And there's something beautiful that happens when you're able to do that. Because number one, it means that you're paying attention to those around you. You have to see the need, right? You have to be engaged in your life. We can walk by people every single day that are in need and not even notice. Why? Because we're too focused on me. I'm, I'm so beautiful. Look at me. Don't be like that. Look for opportunity 
to bless others. This is what Jesus did. This is what God has done. This is a God characteristic, would you agree? Giving away is godly, and it brings joy not only to the giver, but to the recipient. We're coming into the Christmas season, and as I already said, I know there are probably people here who you've lost loved ones around this time, and this may even be your first Christmas without them. Maybe it was your first Thanksgiving without them. And it hurts. But you know how you can get over this? Start giving. Give it away. Give it away. Find some people in your life to bless. And this is kind of homework, if you will, for the next few weeks. And I'd ask you to pray about this. I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. (laughs) I don't mean it like that. But prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, is there somebody in my life, somebody in my sphere of influence, who, who's need, they have needs, Lord, that I might be able to help bless them with something? It could be an item, it could be time, I don't know. Ask a young mom that doesn't have a lot of money if you can watch your kids for a few hours. <laughs> I know, it takes some, Yeah. I'm just giving you suggestions. Find a person or a family, though, that your family can bless, you can bless. And give from your own resources, not somebody else's. Whatever that looks like in your life. I want you to experience what it means to be a giver like God gives. When you do this, if you're willing to do this, it brings joy to God. Say joy to God. It brings joy to others. And God is going to bless you for being generous. Yes, he is. I've already talked about that. And if you don't believe me, here's one more proof. Oops, that one. Matthew 6. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When you share what you have with others, it allows you to experience life to the full. And as God's children, I believe that's one of the things he really wants us to experience. Because when you're able to give away, it means you're not selfish. I'm going to close with this scripture. One more. Again, from the Passion Translation, John 15, starting with verse 9. I love each of you, Jesus said. He's talking to his disciples, but I believe this equally applies to us. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Would you hold your hand on your heart just for a minute? Let me say that again. You must continually let love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands 
for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. Is that cool? And listen to this part. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Mm. So this is my command going on. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are the intimate friend when you obey all that I command you. When we give away, when we sacrifice for others, maybe there's something you don't get for Christmas because you are going to bless somebody else. Maybe with that very thing. That's what it means to come to the Lord like a child. Come anticipating. Lord, what are you going to do today? And ask him, Lord, who do you want me to minister to today? Who can I bless? Like you blessed me, who can I bless today? I want to be more like you, Jesus. Would you stand with me? Say this with me. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be filled with your joy. I want to anticipate what you're going to do next in my life. And if I'm holding on to things, say it. Help me to let them go. Fill me with joy. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. And now help me to find somebody, maybe a family, that I can bless in your holy name. Amen. God bless you. I'm done. We're done. If you need prayer, could I have our prayer partners come up in front if you need prayer they're here for you uh, please go out of here filled with the joy of jesus amen be like little children